When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome everybody back to the second impromptu emergency PHLY Sixers podcast. I am once again, Derek Bonner, joined by, once again, I'm always, anyway, joined by Kyle Newbeck once again. I think that's where I was going with that one. Sorry, we're a little, little disheveled right now. How you doing, Kyle? Uh, I would say just like Michael Jordan in the NBA finals, I had a bad thing of pizza last night, so I've, <laughs> I have felt better. <laughs> I have definitely felt better. And, you know, just like a lot of Philadelphia right now, I am dubious of the path forward for the Philadelphia 76ers, but we're here. Well, to I'm pretty confident on the path forward. It's just not the path that we want it to be. So yeah. the news of the day and why we were all scrambling to do a podcast the Celtics traded for Drew Holiday. Uh, they gave up Robert Williams, Malcolm Brogdon, a 2021st, or and I'm sorry, 2024 Golden State first, and a 2029 unprotected first of their own to the Blazers. I guess what was sort of your first overall reaction when you saw the notification on your phone? Oh shit, that's not good for the Sixers. It uh, is not good look, for the Sixers. I th- I expressed some concern for on Boston's end right after it happened, you know, kind of looking at the big picture, which we'll get to. But I think your immediate thought is they gave up their defensive ace on the perimeter in Marcus Smart to get Chris Dabbs Porzingis. And then they end up getting Drew Holiday to essentially fill that role. Yep. And it, Drew can essentially be... Marcus Smart without being a giant pain in the ass to his teammates, which I think is one of the big reasons that Smart was moved on. And, you know, all the things we talked about the other day regarding uh, swapping out Drew for Dame in Milwaukee, you know, now you get all those things in Drew for the a Celtics team that already has, you know, long athletes on the perimeter in Tatum and Brown. You have Horford, who historically has been a very good playoff defender. Drew now gives you I again, we don't say primary creation skills, but certainly like good secondary skills. Yep. And I, I do still think that Boston is maybe missing that one guy who can set things up for everybody. They're asking a bunch of guys who profile more as secondary team creators to cobble it together and combine into a primary initiator on their own. But I mean, look, they can put some absolutely ridiculous two way lineups on the floor. He's a great character guy. It's like, you know, the upside is tremendous on this move, right? I think now if you were thinking after the Dame trade that Milwaukee is the the clear favorite maybe in the East, I think this is like basically dead even if if both sides are healthy and, you know, it'll yeah. be 
an all-time playoff series if you can get Boston Milwaukee in a conference finals potentially but all of this is to say it is bad news for the Sixers was my first reaction yeah I mean if you go back to maybe like two weeks ago uh go look in the PHLY Sixers channel um what a channel we talked about the Celtics pretty extensively and how we thought that the Porzingis trade raised their upside but it took away a decent amount of their um, team identity and specifically a defensive identity and being able to switch everything and really pester opponents on the perimeter. Well, now they got Porzingis to help spread the four a little bit, maybe give them that rim protector, that traditional rim protector that they haven't always had, or at least that they haven't had when Robert Williams wasn't on the floor and they didn't play him for good chunks last year. So they got that rim protector, they got that floor spacer, and now they added that sort of like switchable, you know, defensive menace on the perimeter in Drew yeah. Holiday, who's also a, a more well-rounded offensive player than Marcus Smart is. So you look at, well, yeah, they don't have a traditional primary initiator. They didn't, you know, when they beat the Sixers a couple of months ago either. Um, yeah. Like, I, I think they have more initiators now than they did. Well, Brogdon was a big part of their half-court offense when he was on the floor. But they have so many two-way players and so much floor spacing now that you look at them and you go, all right, well, maybe, maybe you're just relying on the fact that Jason Tatum's job is now easier than it ever has been. And he can, like, the reads he'll have in front of him are easier. And also, they should still be that dominant defensive force that they've always been. And you look at it and you go, well, shit. Like, the Sixers weren't competing with Boston and Milwaukee probably anyway. And after these two moves, like, if you were going to give the Sixers title odds, which seems preposterous at this point, it would be like 1%. And the 1% is like, shit happens. It's not yeah. any logical pathway. It's just weird stuff happens. Maybe if enough weird things happen to the Celtics, to the Bucks, to the Sixers, and maybe Maxi outshooting his potential or expectation. But there's a lot. It's not like a weird thing would have to happen. There's a lot of weird things that would have to happen. So that's certainly the first reaction. And the second reaction, when you look at it, you know, like Portland getting a very useful young role player in Robert Williams, a guy in Malcolm Brogdon, they can probably flip if they want to, if he can get back on the court. And there were reports that he could be back ready for the start of the season. Maybe who knows, but he's currently injured. Um, but at some point you expect he will be back and he'll probably have some value, maybe a little less because he has been very injury prone and there's real injury scares there. Yeah. But another player they can flip. And then two first round picks. There was just no pathway to the Sixers beating that. And that's something that we have been talking about a lot in the last couple of days in studio is that there's two problems, two problems with the Sixers acquiring holiday. The first is that the holiday trade was on a very different timeline than the James Harden trade. Like there was a lot of momentum around the league, a lot of interest in making sure, as I'm saying this, the Eagles just tied it up uh, a lot of, a lot of, you know, a lot of interest to get that holiday deal done quickly. There wasn't the same kind of league wide interest to get a James Harden deal done quickly. And the Sixers, right. if they're gonna if they're gonna find a pathway, it had to include both of them. The timing was probably not going to line up. The second was there's just not enough interest in Harden to get the kind of assets to beat this. Like you weren't getting a very good young player and a very good first round pick in for Harden right now. It's just not going to happen. Um, so even if Daryl Morey had the appetite, this wasn't going to happen. And it's you know, on the one hand, I don't say that to give Morey an out. I say that to say that this just wasn't realistic at this time. And the reason it's not realistic is freaking infuriating. Like you've got teams <laughs> who have had enough talent on the floor to win a title and get to a finals. Now make two blockbuster trades in the last week. And you're sitting here like, well, God, maybe if they can just get Terrence Mann, it's like, what the fuck happened? Yeah, like what crazy. happened to it's, it's, it's 
infuriating. And I get that is completely infuriating. Meanwhile, the Sixers will be like, well, we're the only, one of only three teams that win a playoff round three years. Who fucking cares? Who like cares? nobody cares. Beat a good team in the playoffs and then talk your shit. And they're just so far away. And Joel Embiid sent out a tweet, something like what an off season LMAO. I forget exactly what it is, but it was pretty close to that. And for him to say that, we're all like, yeah, all right, I get it. I get it. Like this has been the off season from hell. The off season from hell. I mean, you and I have been talking about this for a while, Derek, even prior to the podcast coming together. I don't think the Sixers understand. Don't lie, Kyle. I never talked to you before. I hated you. I don't think the Sixers understand how mad this fan base is and, you know, what that's going to look like. I mean, I'll say, too, like, I think they want to play it off like like they want to push back on just acknowledge that the fans have a reason to be upset. Just acknowledge that that'll go a long way in Philadelphia. Like they don't want to hear we won first rounds. They just don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear that we're in a better spot. They don't want to hear any of that. They want you to be as pissed off as they are. And I get that a lot of people involved right now came in midway through. And I get that they were put in a tough spot. Like we just talked about before that so many mistakes put them in a spot where Daryl Morey had to be basically perfect. And he hasn't been perfect. But acknowledge that like this is fucking infuriating. That you've got one of the best, you know, five best players in franchise history. And you've had so many (laughs) self-inflicted wounds over the years that the fan base is rightfully pissed off. Just acknowledge that instead of trying to tell us why we should be happy. It would go a long way. It would really go a long way. People don't want to be pissed on and then told that it's raining. That's basically what it comes down to. I mean, you see at the Eagles game today, there are people flying banners saying, you know, go away, Josh Harris. We don't want an arena. Obviously that would have probably happened regardless because of the commander's angle today. But I really don't think they understand just how deep they're in it with the fans right now. That people are ready to just throw this entire franchise in the trash. And honestly, a lot of that anger gets directed at Joel, right? Like you see Joel, who he has been part of the problem, right? Like the reason they haven't advanced further is not all his fault, but it's at least a good percentage his fault. And a lot of it is getting turned on him because he's the symbol of the team. We have a nice cat appearance on Derek's long, end. Look at that. Longtime listeners of the Sixers will know that when we podcast remotely, she will tell the break. <laughs> so, yeah, I, like, look, they sort of just think or they're carrying themselves in a way where they're suggesting, well, once they get out on the floor, everything's going to be fine. Like, I don't think that's the case, man. The Eagles are as good as they are. The Phillies, people are primed for them to go on another deep playoff run, potentially. And, you know, that's not a guarantee. But they've earned themselves some grace and some trust and some belief. And the Sixers have done none of that. And as you say, Derek, it's not all Daryl's fault or all Joel's fault. It's not all It's not even anyone's. primarily, I don't think. But Correct. he is the current steward, yeah. But he is the guy running the team currently. And, and he is this current steward who hitched his reputation and the team's future on a completely unreliable person. Too. Exactly. He knew what he was getting into by getting back into the James Harden business, right? Like he he knows James as well as probably anybody in the NBA. And he watched as for the second straight time, James burned his way out of town for a different team. And said, well, he won't do that to us, essentially, by gambling on this guy. And as we've said previously, the thing I hold him most accountable for 
is the Harden situation going up in smoke because he's supposed to be Mr. Star Hunter, big players are really all that matters. Well, then your job is to have an ironclad connection with these guys. I don't care what that takes. I don't care what you have to do. And that has completely crumbled this offseason. So that's a huge, huge problem. And they're now in a position where they have one of the best players in the NBA, a guy who just won the MVP. And people can credibly sit here on October 1st and say they're cooked. Like their season in terms of competing for a championship, as you said, Derek, relies on good fortune and good luck and a lot of different individual breaks happening. Like I I pointed out when I first saw the trade, I was like, well, Boston is betting a lot on Porzingis staying healthy. Essentially they're one front court injury away from they're being, they're in a pretty rough spot and I don't know how they would get themselves out of it, but if they do stay healthy, then like the Sixers have absolutely no chance to beat those guys in a real series without some significant trades being made. And the conclusion you ultimately come to is that James Harden basically has to show up and want to play for you for this season to be interesting at all. Like James Harden has to buy in. We saw with this trade, there was no real market. The Sixers were trying to get into three team trade talks with the Clippers and Blazers and try to figure that out to humor all parties. And because Boston was able to just offer more than the Sixers have, there was no shot to yeah. put that sort of deal together. It's not that had, the Sixers had, didn't Boston have interest. Boston had full control of the what they could offer. Yep. Yeah. So it, it's not like the Sixers were not in on this, but essentially it comes down to at this point, if they're not willing to trade Maxi, they can't get into these talks. And they have not even been willing to include him in any of these talks. So the and only you don't path- you don't trade Maxi for Drew Holiday. For like, sure. We could certainly make a strong case that maybe they should have for Dame, but you don't for Drew Holiday. Yeah, no, I, it's yeah. completely defensible to not do it. But that being the case, that either means that a hardened trade has to essentially fall out of the sky that has not been available up to this point, or James has to walk through that door, say, I, realize himself, hey, I'm not getting a trade in the short to intermediate term if I don't buy in and show that I'm worth putting up with essentially like all the eccentric and trade demanding stuff. A team has to believe that they will get good James Harden and not the guy trying to light things on fire all the time. So here's if I'm trying to reach and trust me, this is reaching very far for a positive takeaway here. Right now, if James Harden gets cut, just wait, wouldn't happen. Just play with me here. If he gets waived, does that hurt James Harden more or the Sixers more? I think James pretty Harden. clearly James Harden because he loses his bird rights and he loses his chance to make not just like 30 or 40 million dollars like he's hoping for. I'm not sure he's making 20 million dollars next year if he doesn't have, if a team doesn't have his bird rights. Whereas the Sixers, if he comes in and he's a complete pain in the ass, which we still like, kind of expect him to be because that's just kind of James Harden. Like there isn't a Morris twin that's going to come out here and make the Sixers a contender right now. And if he's a big enough pain in the ass where he can't even get a first round pick for him, then these Sixers aren't really losing anything if they do end up having to cut him. So I'm not saying Daryl Morey will cut him, but I'm saying they can make the case like, look, if you come in, you're too much of a pain in the ass, we'll cut you and you're fucked. And that has a lot more threat than maybe it did before just because the market is so dead and he'll kill it even more. Maybe that's just enough of a credible threat where he doesn't go completely nuclear on the team. but. But, and this is a very key point, 
that would take a tiny bit of self-awareness from from James Harden and the guy who's paying women to hold up Daryl Morey is a liar sign while his <laughs> ba- his his highlights are playing in the background. I'm not sure that self-awareness is there. I'm not sure way, he's going to look at this and say the trade market for me actually isn't strong. Darryl, I think he probably believes Daryl Morey is just lying and dragging his feet. And by the way, as we're recording this podcast, campaign just agreed to a deal with the Milwaukee Bucks. So it's just like more not that campaign is a world beater or anything, but it's an it's just more salt in the wound, right? Like Sixers fans see, hey, Milwaukee got Dame Lillard, Boston gets Drew Holiday. And then these teams continue to add more and continue yep. chasing depth on top of that. And their team, as far as they can tell, is sitting on their hands saying, well, there's just nothing we can do. And the only person we have to blame is us. Like, it's their fault. They've made all these. And this is part of why stability and management is so important. They went from Sam to Brian to Elton and the, like, weird shadow front office. And ownership is too involved. And now it's Daryl. And Daryl has made his own mistakes or his own, you know, the trade for James. How much say does David Heller has? How much does Brett yeah. Brown have? Like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, in the, oh, oh, don't get me started. But that's what I mean. So all of this is a product of too many voices and too many different competing priorities. Hey, we're rebuilding and we're tearing it down. But no, we can't tear it down in that way. And then you try to accelerate it too quickly. And then you're trying to get cute in trades instead of taking the, instead of taking a double, you're swinging for a home run and striking out and things right. of that nature. And and it's a it's a low contact, low probability swing because you're so desperate. Yeah, and so they they just don't have outs. And you see people saying, "Well, they should tear it down and rebuild and trade Joel." And look, I understand how hopeless people feel. I don't think people are really prepared for how far off the cliff this organization would go without having Joel. And to me, that's the big thing from today is Joel can say he's trolling and say he's doing whatever, but he is clearly not happy with the state of affairs right now. Just like Giannis in Milwaukee, who was saying, look, I need guys here who are all in trying to win a title. Joel sees Giannis's front office respond to that by getting fucking Dame Lillard. And he's like, oh, you signed Mo Bamba and Patrick Beverly and Kelly Oubre. <laughs> like no disrespect to any of those guys. They're all fine basketball players in a vacuum. But when that's what you are getting and your direct rivals, the pe- the teams who are already ahead of you are getting all NBA, all-star level guys, Joel is going to throw up his hands and say, what the fuck is going on here? And by the way, you weren't good enough before the offseason. Like you weren't good enough. You weren't you weren't winning three playoff rounds to get to the finals. You're just not good enough. I will say the more this offseason shakes out, the more maybe the cap space plan makes sense because it's their only fucking hope. It's their yeah. only like trading, getting rid of your last remaining assets, which they couldn't even do anyway, because that wouldn't work for either of these trades. At least here's a chance to recoup an asset or two, whether that's a tradable contract that you sign in free agency, whether it's maybe getting some draft picks or young players to take on contracts. At least they have some flexibility. But boy, you're betting a lot on. It'll be, I'll be fascinated to see what Boston does. I assume they didn't trade for Drew Holiday to make him a rental, but they're going to be, it's going to be real tough for them to keep them around long term with those four big contracts. Uh, That will be fun. Not maybe Drew's a possibility next year, but there's a lot of ifs in that plan. There's a, they're really, really boxed in, and it 
sucks. Yeah, and let's, I mean, let's say they they don't view this as a hopeless season and they're still looking for ways to try to supplement Joel. The deals that are going to be available to you are value rehab type deals, right? Where you look at somebody like Zach Levine in Chicago, who it's clear that Chicago at this point does not love his contract and is looking for ways to get him off of the books. But if you're the Sixers, in an ideal world, you don't want that contract for what Zach Levine is. But if you want to take a talent swing and say, hey, maybe Zach just has enough upside as a you know number two, some, sometimes pseudo number one playing off of Joel. There's certainly you know off-ball value there in addition to what he can do as a pick-and-roll creator, all that stuff. But you're talking about a guy who's got like constant knee problems, who's had serious injuries in the past, who, as we've discussed before, Teammates do not always love playing with that guy. Doesn't have exactly a spot or spotless reputation on that front. And then you'd also be putting them in a backcourt with Tyrese Maxey, and it'd be the ultimate Matador Olay defense for four quarters every night. So that's the sort of stuff that's going to be on the table. That or you know maybe Toronto at some point finally decides we need to trade guys before their value is zero and they leave for nothing in free agency, but. I mean, Siakam and Nick Nurse's relationship, obviously, not great as by all accounts. They wouldn't trade OG Ananobi for Dame Lillard, so I doubt they're trading him for Tobias Harris or somebody like that. So you, you just go that. through the... You don't know that, Kyle. They could value Tobias more than Dame. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, people are going to be desperate just to get somebody like Buddy Heald in here. And again, no disrespect to Buddy Heald, but Buddy Heald's not joining this team and taking them from a second round game seven loss to a conference finals or finals appearance. Like it it might be more aesthetically pleasing. It might be better for Joel in terms of offensive fit compared to some other guys, but not going to drive winning. And that's the kind of guys you're going to be able to get. I mean, look, I guess the best source of optimism I can be is that if Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey find a way to pull this off, it will be a story for the ages. Not likely. It would be, it would be one you would remember. Yeah, I, maybe that's that's all that's we as have. As close as I can get. Close as I can get. It's Maxi and maybe Paul Reed on his new contract turns into a shooter, and yeah, really grasping at straws to try to sell hope and optimism at this very moment. All right, I think uh, I think that's probably just about all that I have. Just meant to be a reaction podcast. We will be back on Monday. Coming to you after training camp, after media day, I mean, um, we will do a podcast there. Originally, that was going to be a lot about what we heard on on, on media day. I would expect that there will be a little bleed over from this Drew Holiday trade that we will talk about again on Monday before we head out to Fort Collins uh, for training camp starting on Tuesday. But thank you, Kyle. And I will talk to you. I mean, gosh, it feels like you're the only one I really talk to every day, but I will talk to you very soon. (laughs) See you, buddy.